afternoon and evening, wherever anybody might be. Um, I apologize for uh, being tardy and um, offer my uh, respects to all the devotees. Om Jnana Timiram Tasya Jnanam Janashalakaya Chakshurun Militam Jena Tasmai Shri Gurave Namaha Mukankaroti Vachalam Pangrum Lankhavate Girim Dakrapa Tamaham Bande Shri Gurum Dinataranam Shri Chaitanya Mano Bhishtam Stapitam Jena Putale Swayam Rupa Kadamayam Dadati Svapal Padantikam Nancha kalpa taru vyascha krapasin do vyevacha patitanam pavane pyo vaishnave pyo nino. So this is the um, third in our series of uh, looks at um, my hopefully journey toward writing um, an article that I've been fussing over and sitting on for too long um, about the um, power and reach uh, of this force uh, we call bhakti. And so today, uh, part three, um, I call it a doubt emerges. And uh, that'll come a little later because um, I wanna do a, a quick review. I'm not sure everybody here has been here for all the meetings, but I also kind of want to create a context for, um, for what we discuss a little bit later. So this all began um, some years ago when um, I uh, read Vishwanath Chakravarti Thakur's commentary on one of the verses um, that I've always really liked. Excuse me, I've always felt this is a really important verse and Srila Prabhupada's purport on this verse is quite mm, astonishing and generous. And it largely, it largely follows Vishwanath Chakravarti Thakur's, um, but with somewhat softer language as we've seen. So the verse is um, Canto 1, Chapter 5, Text 19. This is uh, Srila Vyasadeva. Um, this is Narada Muni advising Srila Vyasadeva um, uh, ultimately to uh, compile uh, Srimad Bhagavatam uh, because all the, he's found him completely depressed and not at all satisfied with all the service that he's done, although it, uh, consists of having um, uh, brought together all kinds of scriptures for the benefit of all kinds uh, of human beings. Still, he's not feeling satisfied. So Narada Muni is here to instruct him um, in the importance of, of uh, teaching exclusive devotion to Krishna, the Supreme Personality of Godhead. So he's telling him what he's missing is uh, a text that will do that. So he says, Navajano jatu katanchana brajin mukunda sevyan bayaran basamsritin, smaran mukundang hupaguhana kunal, vihatu mechin, 
Narasagrahojan. My dear Vyas, even, <clears throat> uh, this is Srila uh, Prabhupada's translation, even though a devotee of Lord Krishna sometimes falls down somehow or other, he certainly does not undergo material existence like others, the fruit of workers, etc. Because a person who has once relished the taste of the lotus feet of the Lord can do nothing but remember that ecstasy again and again. And then Bonner Swami's translation is a little different. Um, oh, the person who serves Mukunda will never under any condition return to the material world, unlike practitioners of other processes. Remembering the embrace of the Lord's lotus feet, eager for that taste he has experienced, he will not desire to give up those feet again. And then Vishwanath Chakravarti's commentary, and this is um, the last paragraph uh, of Vishwanath Chakravarti's commentary. Says, uh, the verse also uses the phrase does not desire to give up instead of does not give up. This implies that he desires that he be devoid of pride in his practice. The accomplishment is in the hands of the Lord. And then now we're getting to the nut um, of the matter. The cause of not desiring to give up is, also, is then mentioned. Rasagraha means one who is eager for tasting or one who has a taste, which is something like a ghost, which cannot be given up, haunted by rasa. And then um, my assumption is that he, he poses this next sentence as a doubt. Uh, the meaning is then that worship after the stages of nishta, ruchi, and asakti becomes actual rasa at the stage of rati. However, even from the first day of worshiping the Lord, there is certainly a portion of tasting rasa in a very covered form. And he cites a verse from the Bhagavatam. Devosha bhakti pareshano pavo viraktiram yatrachai sutrika ekatrika ekakalaha prapadyamanasya yatashnas yustushti pushtikshudapaya nidhasa. Devotion, direct experience of the Supreme Lord and detachment from other things, these three occur simultaneously for one who has taken shelter of Krishna in the same way that pleasure, fullness of the stomach, and relief from hunger are experienced simultaneously with each bite for a person engaged in eating. So here he's comparing um, the, uh, the practice of bhakti um, with taking a meal. And I've always thought of this verse as um, maybe a look at, uh, sometimes we wonder um, how we can tell if we're making spiritual progress. So this gives us uh, a metric to use. Bhakti Pareshano Bhavo Vedaktaranyatracha. So um, devotion, direct experience of the Supreme Lord and detachment from other things, things, they occur simultaneously, and I would add progressively for one who's taken shelter of Krishna. In the same way that Tushti, uh, Pushti, uh, and Krudapaya um, uh, come from eating. Uh, they also happen simultaneously and they also happen progressively. So then 
from there, I thought, okay, let me see what um, uh, Vishwanath Chakravarti Thakur has to say um, in, his, in his commentary on this verse in the Bhagavatam. Because here, he just kind of presents it at the end um, of his tika and, and doesn't really discuss it. So in his commentary um, on the verse, Vishwanath Chakravarti Thakur writes, an example is given to show that even at the stage of sadhan, which gives great happiness, one achieves the result. When there is bhakti in the form of hearing and chanting about Krishna, the supreme deity, there should be a sweet experience. So the bhakti, it's the activity that we engage in, and then there should be some um, experience that comes from that. It's not that we do it um, to get the experience, but the experience um, should come. At, this, at that time, there should also be an experience of detachment from material, uh, material happiness. That's the virakti, virakti aranyatocha, detachment from everything else. Uh, these sh three should arise at the same time for the person who worships Krishna. Similarly, for a person who eats, there um, is happiness, nourishment, and disappearance of hunger with each mouthful. As one takes a mouthful of rice, this happens. Just as a person who eats a little gets a little satisfaction, a little nourishment or fullness of the stomach, and a little relief from hunger, so a person who worships the Lord a little uh, with hearing and chanting gets a little experience of the Lord and a little detachment from material life. And just as a person who eats a lot gets full satisfaction, full nourishment, and full relief from hunger, um, so a person who worships the Lord fully experiences the Lord fully and becomes completely detached from material life. But though it is impossible to keep eating, by more worship of the Lord, one becomes more capable of worshiping. That is the difference. So he keeps these, he keeps these two experiences quite parallel. Um, the uh, 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 kind of analogizing um, the bhakti with um, the pleasure, uh, pushti, uh, with the um, experience of the Lord with some kind of nourishment, and then um, when the hunger is satisfied, that's like becoming detached. When you're full, um, if someone brings you um, a gulab jamun or a bowl of uh, chocolate ice cream, uh, you, you may decide to pass, but you don't need it because you're feeling detached from eating. So, um, and then um, I came across some other verses from the 14th chapter of the 11th canto. This is the Uddhava Gita. This is Krishna um, speaking to Uddhava. And I've excerpted, uh, included here some to, for the review today, some excerpts from the tikas. So one, the first is 11, 14, 18. And uh, we'll discuss these um, at greater length uh, next week. Um, because here we're coming to the point uh, where uh, I encountered some doubt 
So to further support um, what uh, Srila Vishwanath Chakravarti Thakur says, um, he, uh, in his commentary on this verse, Bhadyamano pi madbhakto vishayara jitendriya, praya pragalbhaya bhaktya vishayara nabhibhuyate. My dear Uddhava, if my devotee has not fully conquered his senses, he may be harassed by material desires. But because of his unflinching devotion to me, he will not be defeated by sense gratification. So in his commentary, Vishwanath says, putting aside the topic of the devotee who has developed bhava, which I think he discussed a little um, in the first part of the tika, says that the devotee at the very beginning of bhakti is also successful. By bhakti, which is generally strong, what to speak of bhakti, which is very strong, the devotee cannot be overcome by material enjoyment. So here, he seems to be um, addressing the Vasadhaka, uh, because the um, uh, because the the sad the, the sadhya the siddha devotee the accomplished or perfected devotee, um, you know, will have com completely conquered their senses, won't be harassed by material desires, um, but even at um, at the stages of bhakti, he says, and and he makes it even clearer here. He says the devotee at the beginning of bhakti is also successful. Um, so this kind of echoes what we've seen, what we saw in the uh, verse from the fifth chapter of the first canto, that a little bit of bhakti makes it um, possible to overcome um, the uh, temptations for material enjoyment. The devotee is not always going, may not always do that at, at immature stages of, of practice. But um, that devotee will not ultimately be defeated um, by the desires for material enjoyment. Um, and then, so he continues, but the devotee who commits sin is not criticized and his devotion, his position as a devotee is not denied. And he, he draws this, he brings this in contrast with the jnani. Said so if a jnani doesn't do everything right, his position as a jnani um, can't, you know, I mean, you can't really say that that person is really a jnani. You know, they're allowing themselves to be overcome. And jnana really doesn't help us overcome prarabdha karma. Um, the only thing that actually helps us overcome prarabdha, I mean, we've got the four stages of, of karma. Bija, kuta, aprarabdha, and prarabdha. And the other, some of the other process can, processes can deal with the earlier stages um, of karma um, to some degree, uh, but only bhakti can actually, um, uh, has the power to overcome uh, uh, even prarabdha karma, to displace even prarabdha karma. So then he cites uh, the 30th verse of the ninth chapter of the Bhagavad Gita, apichet sudura charo bhajate maamana even if the most sinful person worships me, but with no other desire than to please me, I consider that person to be my devotee 
as he has fixed himself completely in me. And in his commentary, Vishwanath writes, though the, um, uh, continuing his commentary on this Bhagavatam verse, uh, Vishwanath explains, though the devotee is distressed by sense objects, he's not overcome. So this is clearly sadhana. And we'll see that argued um, next week um, um, well, by a, uh, what may be a surprising source by the time we get to the end of today's presentation. Um, it implies, because oh, though the devotee is distressed by sense objects, he's not overcome because both verbs are in the present tense. It implies that even while being harassed by sense objects, he's not really harassed since bhakti is present. A person who is attacked by the weapons of an enemy cannot be defeated because of the presence of his bravery. Or on the day that a powerful medicine is taken to prevent fever, though the fever still causes suffering, it is not a real cause of suffering since the fever is in a state of being destroyed and will be completely destroyed the next day. So this follows on, as we know, um, verse 31, the following verse says that because of this, just what Vishwanath says here, because of the devotee, even the um, faulty uh, devotee's um, dedication to serving Krishna, that um, eventually, very quickly, um, the verse says, um, all these other things will be overcome. And then uh, the next verse um, uh, also tells us a little uh, bit about the power of bhakti. Yatagni su samadharchi karote dham sipasmasat tata madvishaya bhaktir udhavainam si kritsmasaha. My dear Udhava, just as a blazing fire turns firewood into ashes. Similarly, devotion to me burns to ashes sins committed by my devotees. So this is a really um, a clarifying statement here, uh, that it's the bhakti that um, destroys the um, sinful reactions that are due to the devotee. It's not anything that we can do. Um, we're um, we've spent more lifetimes than anyone can imagine being overcome by Krishna's inferior energy because we're so we're so tiny. Um, so, but it's the bhakti, this powerful force bhakti that destroys these sins. So still we're uh, addressing, clearly addressing a sadhaka, but even a sadhaka will always um, ultimately attain success in bhakti because, uh, because of the power of bhakti herself. And then this is at the end of this section. There's this, this section, I will discuss this section, whole section, there are several, several verses. Where did we start with? So there are like 17, uh, seven or eight verses. And uh, we'll see next week that most of these verses actually do address um, sadhakas, not siddhas. So this is um, text 26, yata yata tma parimrijyate sa punyagata shravanadhi bhanai katata 
tatapashati vastu shukshman chakshur yatai yatai vancha na samprayukta. When a diseased eye is treated with a medicinal ointment, it gradually recovers its power to see. Similarly, as a conscious living entity cleanses himself of material contamination by hearing and chanting the pious narrations of my glories, he regains his ability to see me, um, the absolute truth in my subtle spiritual form. And then Vishwanath writes, Starting with the first service, this, I mean, this is just what we see in his commentary on 1519. You know, he says from the first day of practice. So here, starting from the first service, in proportion to the purification of the Atma by pure bhakti, and in proportion to the hearing, chanting, and remembering. So that also echoes the um, verse from the second chapter of the 11th canto that we just read. One attains various degrees of realization of my sweetness. So here we're talking about sadhana bhakti. So as I'm going through reading these, finding these verses and reading these commentaries, I'm becoming progressively excited about this idea, how powerful bhakti is. Um, that. Um, be, you know, because of bhakti's power, even sadhakas at the early stages um, um, become um, ultimately become really uncomfortable. Um, in proportion to hearing and chanting my glories, one sees the real nature, vastu, of my form and pastimes with an experience of sweetness, shukshma. Vastu shukshma is a dvandva compound expressed with this in the singular number, or it can mean subtle truth with the modifier placed after the noun as poetic license. One eye is better than being blind. Better than that is having both eyes. And better than that is having the eyes anointed with special ointment so that one sees, one sees finer objects. And as most of you know, the Sanskrit word for finer, fine is shukshma. So that's a, a, an important word in this text. So, um, you know, by this time I was thinking, wow, this is really cool. Um, I, I think I've got this. This is, this is a, a, a really big thing. Bhakti is so powerful that, um, you know, that, that, um, you know, that it actually uh, helps the, the uh, bhakta overcome all kinds of obstacles. Um, but then I thought, hmm, Vishwanath Chakravarti Thakur seems quite liberal in matters about bhakti. He seems a little zealous um, in his advocacy of bhakti. Um, I wonder if this is a little over the top. Um, and I wonder if, um, I wonder how uh, Srila Jiva Goswami, who is more conservative in a number of ways, or who expresses more conservative ideas in, in, in a number of ways, how he approaches this. So then I thought about, what about the sixth of the six aspects of bhakti that are discussed in uh, early in the Bhakti-Rasamrita Sindhu, um, right in, in the first chapter. So that sixth is, sixth is Sri Krishna Karshan. And um, many of us may remember from discussing Bhakti-Rasamrita Sindhu a number of times 
that um, in the first chapter, discussing bhakti generally, Srila Rupa Goswami um, posits six characteristics that can be found in bhakti, two of which be, uh, become uh, uh, prominent during sadhana bhakti, two of which become prominent during bhava bhakti or rati, and two of which become prominent in prema bhakti. So uh, the two that become prominent in sadhana bhakti are uh, kleshagni and shubhada, that uh, the devotees experience relief from material distress because, the, because bhakti devi is destroying even the prarabdha karma. Um, you know, of, of the bhakta. And, um, and Shubhada uh, bestows auspiciousness, brings happiness into the devotee's life. And the two that appear, that become a particularly prominent, prominent during Bhava Bhakti the, uh, are, um, it's uh, uh, Sudurlava, it's very rarely achieved. Uh, Bhava is indeed very rarely achieved. Even sadhana bhakti is very rare uh, among human beings. Uh, bhava bhakti is certainly more rare. And um, moksha lupatakrit, that um, it, uh, it makes light, uh, literally, I guess, of the um, uh, accomplishment of moksha or, or liberation. Um, Srila Prabhupada often uses the word derides, but it derides even the pleasure that uh, is attained by attaining moksha or liberation. And then in uh, prema, two other um, characteristics become prominent. So the others keep growing. The uh, release, relief from, from suffering and, um, and, uh, and happiness, uh, auspiciousness. Oops, sorry. Oops. So, um, so those are certainly, and, and by bhava bhakti, those, uh, those uh, become pretty complete. And then the uh, rarity and uh, derision of uh, the accomplishment of, of uh, moksha are, are still there. And two others, uh, sandrananda visheshatva, uh, it's a very concentrated form of the highest bliss, um, and Sri Krishna Karshani, which uh, Srila Rupa Goswami uh, discusses in texts 42, one and, 41 and 2 uh, of the first chapter of the Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu. Sri Krishna Karshani, Krishna, Bhakti attracts Krishna and his associates. So this is Prema Bhakti, just because that's the context in which we're discussing this. And so Srila Rupa Goswami says, Bhakti is called Sri Krishna Karshani because it makes the Lord addicted to prema and brings him under control along with his associates. So this is a, 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 an astonishing, um, this is just an astonishing characteristic of, of prema bhakti, that it actually controls Krishna. But we see this everywhere in Krishna's Leela, especially in the Braja Leela. Um, the devotees through the, because of the strength of their bhakti, they're able to control Krishna. Cowherd boys are able to beat him at wrestling. Uh, Radharani is uh, uh, able to send him into a, 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 a downward spiral of self-doubt 
uh, with a cross look. Um, Mother Yashoda brings tears to his eyes when she comes after him with a stick. And so the devotees bhakti overwhelms Krishna. We'll see next week as well, a verse that I've cited many times um, and which I have promptly forgotten the Sanskrit for. Bhakti, bhakti revayanayati, uh, bhakti revayanayati, bhakti revayadarshayati, bhakti vasapurushaha. And then the last pada says, bhakti is the most powerful thing of all. And I can't remember that at the moment. Um, so bhakti, only bhakti, only bhakti has the power to draw us near to Krishna. Bhakti nayati, certainly only bhakti. And certainly only bhakti has the power to show us Krishna, bhakti-reva darshayati. And bhakti-vasa purusha means bhakti brings the purusha, bhakti brings the Supreme Lord under control, subdues, she subdues Krishna, the Supreme Personality of Godhead. Therefore, uh, the text says um, that bhakti is the most powerful thing of all. Now, get to the meat here and this is where things take a bit of a turn it's like in a in a uh, uh in a sonnet uh, there's a certain point depending on which kind of sonnet where the uh the, the sentiment being expressed in the poem takes a bit of a turn um that's called the volta so this was kind of my volta moment um, Jiva Goswami comments on this verse, because prema is attractive to him, akarshana, he is called prema bhajam, addicted to prema in his devotees. The word Sri in Sri Krishna Karshani indicates priyavarga samanvitam along with his dear associates. And then in the next verse, uh, he, uh, Srila Rupa Goswami, um, as he does, uh, as he does consistently, uses, uh, draws from uh, the Bhagavatam and other scriptures, to, um, to support this. So here he cites a text that we didn't look at about a few minutes ago from the same chapter, the 14th chapter of the 11th canto. And in text 20, he says, this is a very powerful verse. Na sadhayati mam yoga, na sankhyam dharma uddhava, na svadhyayas tapastyago, yata bhaktir mamor jata. The Bhagavatam says in the, in the 11th canto, my dear Uttava, again, this is Krishna instructing Uttava, the unalloyed devotional service in the form of prema bhakti rendered to me by my devotees brings me under their control. Those engaged in mystic yoga, sankhya philosophy, pious work, Vedic study, austerity, or renunciation cannot thus control me to this extent. So, um, again, this is very powerful. And we go back to, uh, uh, it, it uh, harkens back to the uh, 19th verse of the fifth chapter in the first canto, um, which especially when we uh, couple it with the 17th verse and, and the 18th verse as well, but the, the, it draws a stark contrast between the practice of bhakti and every other kind of practice whether it uh, uh, be uh, aimed at uh, karma, yoga, or jnana. So this is, um, this is really something that shows, you know, Krishna here is admitting that bhakti has the power to bring me 
under control and nothing else can. But because the word here uses nasadhyati, this is a sadhya um, bhakta. This is an accomplished or perfected bhakta, a siddha. So Jiva Goswami writes, though one may conclude that the bhakti mentioned here is sadhana by comparing it with other processes, such as Sankhya, it cannot be an example of Sadhya that brings Krishna under control because of the statement in verse 41 that Krishna is brought under control only by Sadhya Bhakti. Thus, the meaning is Bhakti after producing Sadhya Bhakti controls me. So all this is my this is the, the bump in my little uh, my, my little road here. And this is not uh, at all different from what I expected. I had read this before, um, which is probably why I decided to go back and, and, and check this particular section of the first chapter. A and so then I thought, well, what does that do um, for the case that um, I would like to make that, uh, you know, that bhakti is so powerful that even at the very beginning of our practice, um, it, we, you know, we have this power to, some power to control Krishna. Um, so then I thought, where, would, where else would Jiva Goswami um, discuss this? And I thought, um, perhaps, must be Bhakti Sandarbha. The Bhakti Sandarbha um, describes, uh, the, the Bhakti Sandarbha is the, uh, of the six Sandarbhas, the first four, the Tattva Sandarbha, uh, Paramatma Sandarbha, Bhagavat Sandarbha, and Krishna Sandarbha, they're all focused on um, Sambandha Gyan, helping the, 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 the uh, Bhakta develop uh, Sambandha Gyan and understand how that works. Um, the fifth, the Bhakti Sandarbha, um, addresses Abhideya Gyan, which is how, how to realize this relationship the process for realizing this relationship. So the Bhakti Sandarbha discusses Bhakti as a practice, as a process, rather than Bhakti as um, the ultimate attainment. That will be there in the Preeti Sandarbha. Preeti is synonymous with Prema and uh, in, in many usages. And so um, in the Preeti Sandarbha, we'll see how Bhakti as Prema manifests in the devotee's heart. But the Bhakti Sandarbha deals with Bhakti as a practice. So I thought, okay, so maybe he discusses this somewhere in the Bhakti Sandarbha. So I'm searching through uh, a couple of different uh, translations of the Bhakti Sandarbha. And then I come to Anucheda 147, section 147, which could be called, even Sadhana Bhakti captivates the Lord. So the, the, actually this section, this is actually probably sections 147 and 148 that, that make this case. And so here we are in Anucheda 147, um, he's making his case. He says, Dhruva's life is the proof that bhakti bestows results for exceeding anything a devotee could conceive within the mind because the Lord offered Dhruva his own planet, along with supreme devotion. 
examples of how bhakti controls the Lord have already been given in verses such as this. So he cites these two verses from the 14th chapter, which we also haven't looked at yet. But we will, we will look at this entire section together with Jiva Goswami's analysis of it um, next week. So it's the same verse, nasadhayati mam yoga, nasankyam dharma uttava, nasvadhyayas tapasthyago yatabhakir mamorjita. My dear Uddhava, unalloyed devotional, now here the translation is unalloyed devotional service. Um, so it's a little looser translation. I don't remember if that's from Banu Swami's or from Srila Prabhupada's presentation of the Bhagavatam. Excuse me. The unalloyed devotional service rendered to me by my devotees brings me under their control. I cannot be thus controlled by those engaged in mystic yoga, Sankhya philosophy, pious work, Vedic study, austerity, or renunciation. Oh, it wouldn't have been actually true of Prabhupada's unless it was borrowed from Chaitanya Charitamrita. And then um, uh, Jiva Goswami says, after this verse, the Lord has also said, Bhaktyaham ekaya grahya shudhayatma priya satam. Only by practicing unalloyed devotional service with full faith in me can one obtain me, the Supreme Personality of Godhead. I'm naturally dear to my devotees who take me as the only goal of their loving service by engaging in pure devotional service. Even the dog eaters can purify themselves from the contamination of their low birth. So from what we just saw in Jiva, Goswami, Jiva Goswami's commentary on text 20, you would think that we must be speaking exclusively about Prema Bhakti, Siddha Bhakti. But this is in a section addressing how even Sadhana Bhakti, can actually overpower the Lord, actually attract and captivate and control the Lord. So Jiva Goswami comments here, um, he says a point to be considered here is that this statement, which appears in the 14th chapter of the 11th canto, is a description of the glories of bhakti without specifying whether the bhakti being referred to is that of the practicing stage or the perfectional stage. Therefore, it is difficult to establish from this verse um, that it is the greatness of bhakti in the practicing stage that is referred to. Yet, even if the verse is describing the glories of bhakti in the perfectional stage, the practice stage is thereby glorified because it is only through practice that perfection comes about. So this is, um, when I read this, I just thought, well, wow, here we go. Um, perhaps there's some, some room um, for um, a different understanding, a different reading of these verses. And um, as we'll see next week, uh, Jiva Goswami gives us just that. And I haven't yet been able to establish the dates for Jiva Goswami's editing and commenting on the Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu 
and his uh, compo uh, composing the Bhakti Sandarbha. But my guess is that the Bhakti Sandarbha comes later. Um, and that's, I'm, I'm still trying to see if I can chase that down. If anyone, if anyone knows anything about this, uh, I would be happy to know anyone has uh, access to some information that helps us understand the sequence uh, of these compositions. Because if it came later, you could make a case that this is Jiva Goswami expressing a different understanding from what he had, perhaps uh, more mature or perhaps for uh, uh, a different audience um, than uh, when he wrote his comment on this uh, 20th verse in the uh, first chapter of the Bhakti Vasanta Sindhu. But then, I mean, even so, Jiva Go, this is kind of a transition here. It looks like we're talking about Sadhana Bhakti, or uh, about Sadhya Bhakti, uh, Siddha Bhakti, perfected Bhakti even though it's not specifically stated. So here, instead of saying nasadhyati, nasadhyati means only prema bhakti, uh, only perfected bhakti. He says, it's not clear. But he says, even if that's the case, even if it really is just describing the glories of prema bhakti, still it glorifies the practice stage because it's only through practice that we come to perfection. Uh, the goal of our engaging in sadhana bhakti, the sadhya of sadhana bhakti is bhava bhakti. And the sadhya of bhava bhakti is prema bhakti. So it's sadhana bhakti that makes, um, you know, that makes sadhya bhakti possible. So he says that even if we're, even if it's the case that we're discussing um, uh, perfected uh, bhakti, um, in these two verses. Still, they also glorify uh, sadhana bhakti because it's only by sadhana bhakti that we attain um, sadhya or uh, siddha or prema bhakti. So, um, and he, but then he continues to make um, a rather elaborate argument, a, 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 an extended argument um, that's uh, quite different from um, the argument that he makes in um, his commentary uh, on verse 20 in the Bhakti Vasanta Sindhu, um, as we'll see next week. So I'm leaving us with the cliffhanger here. I also want to mention that as I was going forward in the notes that I put together um, for working on this article, I found that I had also, that I had, um, who was it, Shamananda, I think last week suggested uh, Bhagavad Gita 240 as a, 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 another supporting verse. And I see that I have that and um, 930 in my notes from when I was working on this before. So um, I felt a little proud of myself for that, although a little embarrassed about having to admit that I had forgotten what was in my notes, about 18 pages of them. Um, so um, I, uh, I'll stop here and see if there are any um, comments, uh, reflections, questions, or, or other suggestions for support that I might not have, uh, have considered yet.
And because I'm not hosting, I depend on Shaman and Sakirati to and let people unmute themselves. Pranams Maharaj. Back at you. <laughs> um, so I, I came to think of something here now that you, you read this. Uh oh, last... should I have my notebook? Oh. <laughs> Where's my pencil? Okay, I'm ready. Yes, now that you read this this last discussion here of Jiva Goswami about um, whether whether uh, the practice stage can also be included. Um, I remember reading from uh, Srila Vishwanachakvarti Thakur's commentary on the first canto. Not sure which verse now, but I can try to look it up. Where he calls sadhana uh, as as a, an anga of prema bhakti. Ah. Okay. Yeah. So that was that. <laughs> that's that's wonderful. I like that. Thank you. Um, anything else? Kanaram, nothing? I don't necessarily have much to... Uh-oh, I, I can't hear you. What did I do? Oh, wrong? boy. Are you in the English channel, uh, Kanaram? Sorry, I, I, I was not, I didn't have everything correct technically. Um, <clears throat> no, I, uh, I've been, I've been um, listening to, to this series of classes uh, again and again this over the past week, and I really appreciate your pounding on this post. Um, I heard other really nice devotees use this verse um, about eating and feeling satisfaction and comparing that to devotional service over the years. I think that's really nice. And um, I have a question though. Um, and your, your class has, has sort of answered this, this kind of class is sort of answering this question. I just had something that came up. Um, Tripurari Swami Guru Maharaj is in town now and um, I was with some friends and they were asking that they were wishing that there was something a little more practical about hearing about Krishna and hearing about the Leela, hearing about Krishna's pastimes. But I was thinking that there are a lot of things um, about hearing such a class, which are practical in a deeper way because it, it changes one's heart. So uh, like what you're saying now is like we are becoming changed by the act of hearing uh, hearing in and of itself is devotional service and your this class is answering a lot of that how is like hearing about bhakti practical yeah it's that it's a that's a question that arises sometimes and different devotees i mean everybody has different approaches to presenting um you know, uh, what we understand um, um of the philosophy um one of the devotees here is taking one of those Vrindavan Institute or higher education um, courses. She's got this series of courses, three hours a day, six days a week. For, I was like, it's, it's going to be four months. Mm. But um, she just begun um, a uh, Bhagavad Gita overview course this week um, with a, a, a Brahmachari, I guess, from Radhanath Swami's uh, Chalpati. 
temple, uh, I'm assuming. Um, and um, she's really, she's been really struck by, um, you know, by how he's able to kind of like boil things down. And she said, she, we were just speaking yesterday evening, and she said that um, she's been telling me, you know, that I have been having my mind blown by this Bhagavad Gita overview class practically every, every day. She comes and says, boy, something blew my mind again today. And then it's late enough that she, you know, it's usually the next day uh, because it's an evening class here for us. And uh, she's forgotten exactly what it was, but she's really um, uh, impressed by his ability um, to kind of boil this owl down and present it in, in terms that are easy to understand and, and practical, you know, easy to apply practically. Easy, at least easier to figure out how you might apply these understandings practically in our lives as sadhakas. And then last night she said, she says, Maharaj, my mind was blown again today by my Bhagavad Gita class. And what we're in the seventh chapter, and what blew my mind was that it's not this teacher or his presentation that's blowing my mind. It's Krishna that's blowing my mind. Krishna, the way he um, presents himself in the Bhagavad Gita. And I just thought, well, that is a pretty, that's a, kind of a breakthrough moment right there. So, um, yeah, how to do, you know, how, what's practical about it? And we see that here, uh, the hearing, uh, hearing and chanting. I mean, if this, if this is a goal in our life, and everybody here has this as a goal in our life, because we are all, let's be frank, haunted by rasa. We've all been around for years, years, some of us for years and years and years. And, um, and we've all, you know, we've all had um, difficulties dealing with, you know, the different things, you know, dealing with, um, dealing with our mind, dealing with, uh, you know, our false ego getting in the way of our um, trying to surrender more. Um, and certainly dealing with the call of our, of our different senses. We, we all do, as sadhikas, this is, I mean, this is our life. Something comes up and we have to um, push our way through it. Just like um, when we were reading Madhurya Gadamani at, uh, at Madhuban a few years ago, um, we were reading about the stage of Anishtita Vajna Kriya, or unsteady um, practice. And um, so you've got these um, obstacles that you've got to get through. First of all, you've got these, these anarthas. And then you have these obstacles that are created by bhakti before we actually get to nishtita bhajana kriya. Um, utsaha mai, thinking that you've gotten somewhere you actually hadn't yet. Um, uh, running hot and cold in our practice. Um, uh, getting all excited about the uh, side benefits, the perks that come um, with practicing bhakti, things like that. And about these things, what this one devotee asked me, Maharaj, how do we avoid these obstacles? And I just, I thought, no. Um, and, and so I just, I responded by saying, no, we don't avoid them. We can't avoid them. These are the obstacles that are going to present ourselves as we progress towards um, a steadier practice. Um, but Vishwanath Shokavarthi Thakur has taken the trouble to describe these things to us in some detail 
so that we can understand what's happening as we make progress in bhakti. The Madhurya Kadambani is kind of a roadmap for progressing through the nine stages of bhakti that Srila Rupa Goswami describes in the Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu. So this is all very practical because we see that a little hearing and chanting draws us to more hearing and chanting. And that uh, detaches us more um, from the pursuit um, of pleasure by interacting with, uh, with sense objects, by interacting with dead matter, inert matter. You know, we think that we can get some real pleasure, lasting pleasure um, from interacting with dead matter. But I mean, the examples of some great pleasure, I mean, you know, how, how long do they last? Um, I mean, sex is one, it lasts a few minutes and there's some kind of lingering afterglow pleasure or something like that. But 10 minutes later, y'all may get into a fight again. So, you know, how, how great is that? Um, another in my experience is surfing. And I've watched, I've timed uh, videos of guys like on a really, really good tube, uh, what seems like a really long ride, for, you know, like a pipeline or some other place like that. And they may go as long as 13 seconds. You go out there, you paddle out there, or you go out in a boat or, a, a, you know, a, what are those inflatables or on, with a jet ski or something like that. You go out there to where these waves are, and, and, and you paddle, you jockey for position with the other surfers, and it's just always so crowded now that I don't even, I don't even find myself attracted to going out surfing anymore, because I, I just can't. First of all, I'm an old man, I'm out of shape, um, and so everybody's gonna hate me anyway. And the first thing I do wrong, you know, it's gonna be me and some character's fist. So, um, but it, you, go, you go to all that trouble, and you're running the risk on, in some way, on, you know, in some places, some spots when, when the wave, where the waves break really big, like Chopu in, in Tahiti or, or Jaws here uh, on Maui or Mavericks in California, and you could die. People die on those waves. And, um, and, and, and why is that? So you can get 10, 15, maybe 20 minutes of, of pleasure. There are a couple of places like in, off the coast of, I think, West Africa. There's a place called Skeleton Bay, where they just have these inter seemingly interminable tubes. People can take off on a wave and just stay in the tube for two, three, four minutes. Of course, paddling back to where you want to start, that's a long paddle. Um, but, it, but generally, you know, you, even you catch a wave, and if you're someone like me who just found that this almost transcendent pleasure where you, there's nothing else going on in the world, still it only lasts a few seconds. Your time, your sense of time is warped by that, by the experience. But if you look at it objectively, it might be as long as 15 or 20 seconds. And that's it. So, um, so you know, the, the practical value is that it, you know, is that we get we get further experience. Um, of the Lord, which spurs us to further practice, which also helps us become uh, more detached from the things that cause suffering. Dukkha yonaya evate, as Krishna says in the Bhagavad Gita. Uh, uh, Guru Maharaj likes to point this out uh, a lot. 
that Yonaya Evate, Prabhupada says, this is the source of our suffering, our attachment to these things, but our, you know, our pursuit of, of sense objects. Um, Guru Maharaj, like, he likes to take that word yoni, uh, yoni and use it very literally. This is the womb from which our suffering was born. Um, so, yeah, I appreciate, I appreciate that. I, you know, and I appreciate your appreciation. And we'll see, uh, we'll see uh, more next week. And, and the following week, I just realized yesterday that um, October this year has five Saturdays. <laughs> so I thought, okay, oh, I thought I was going to be done next week, and now I've got to rejigger things. So we'll see next week and the week after uh, more of how these things go. Uh, Martin, was that your hand? Oh, Omkar. Haribo, Maharaj, thank you for the class. Ah, uh, Haribo, there he is. I just, I just had a little correlation in my mind that comes from the little discussion at the very end of your class about the, the glory of practicing prema, prema bhakti. I guess, um, um, we're talking about practicing. Can you hear me? The uh, sound is a little pinky. Okay. Um, can you hear me better now? Yeah. Okay. I, it, yeah, my comment was about thinking of practicing prayer bhakti, and I thought about Shuddha bhakti or chanting Shuddha nam. It's basically what we do. We do chant Shuddha nam and we do practice Shuddha bhakti. And it's so glorious that. that like somebody saying it's basically there. And even though we're in pure name, we're not at the Shuddha Bhakta level, perhaps, but it's so glorious that we might as well be. We're so close to be. So, yeah, something little that came to my mind. Yeah. A little as, bit of uh, hope. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. As Guru Maharaj also likes to point out frequently, our god brother Vishnu John Swami would, uh, he, when he was teaching, he would say that the distance, the distance that you've come to have met Sadhguru is much farther than the distance that you have left to go. We're actually, um, although it may seem far from the goal, and the closer we get, it seems like the uh, the distance seems to keep growing, expanding. Um, maybe just much like at the end of a race, you know, you come around, you, maybe you're running a, a half marathon, and, you know, and you've done, you know, you've done 12 miles, which includes an uphill long, as one marathon, one half marathon I ran um, about 20 years ago, a little over 20 years ago. Uh, there's this long hill going up into Balboa Park in San Diego that's right at the end of the race. And then the last part is a flat. And as you're going up that hill, you realize I'm like, I, I've run 11, 11 and a half, 12 miles already. And, and I'm really almost there, but you're chugging up that hill. Well, if you're like me anyway, you're chugging up that hill. You just kind of like dig in, you're just pacing yourself. I'm gonna, I'm gonna hit the crest and then there's gonna be a flat to the finish line. And, um, so it kind of the, the distance seems to expand as we get closer, um, but still, 
um, it, it is a fact. Uh, we are, um, we're pretty much done. You know, you can stick a fork in us to see just how done we are, but the game is pretty much over once we, um, once by the grace of some bhakta, some uh, madhyam adhikari bhakta, that, uh, that bhakti enters our heart because, uh, because of that bhakta's kindness. Madhurya Kadamani points out at the very beginning that Vishwanath Chakravarti Thakur makes a rather elaborate argument about uh, how independent Krishna is in, in order to make the point that Bhakti Devi is every bit as independent as Krishna and she can go wherever she likes. But the way she works is that she follows the lead of those um, sadhus um, who have accepted in her, her in their hearts, um, you know, in whose hearts she has taken shelter and um, wherever they show kindness, she follows that, that Bhakta's lead and um, enters that, that person's heart. And so even though they may not know what's going on yet, um, it, it's, it's just a matter of time. Uh, there's no, uh, there's no uh, real um, possibility of failure because of the power uh, of Bhakti Devi, who can even subdue Krishna. If Bhakti Devi can overcome Krishna, she can certainly overcome my sinful desires. So yeah, uh, the, by practice, we be, as Vishwanath Chakravarti Thakur says at the end of his commentary on 11.242, he says, um, by practicing bhakti, by, by practicing bhakti, uh, you know, by eating, you become full and you, you know, you be, eventually you're just not interested in eating anymore, but practicing bhakti enables you to practice even more. So, yeah, the hearing and chanting process is, is actually very, and we can watch that. We can, we can gauge that. Check where we were five, 10 years ago. You know, what our understanding of bhakti was, what our commitment to our practice was five or 10 years ago uh, compared to what it, uh, what it is today. And uh, quite often we'll see that we've actually made uh, a great deal of progress by the mercy of the devotees. Is there anything else? before we adjourn. Mahara, no questions? I guess not. Okay, then with that, since uh, we're at the bottom of the hour again, um, I guess we can adjourn until next week when we pick up the trail where we left off. Thank you so, all so much for your company and your uh, wonderful discussion. Oh, there's Mahara. You still in North Carolina, Mahara? How soon? Oh, we can't hear her because she's- oh, we we're, her. we're moving, we're moving um, October 27th, 26th. Cool. cool, very cool, very cool. Build a house and, and then build you. a house and then move. Yeah. <laughs> I, I like your classes, Mars. They're so wonderful. Oh, you're very kind. Thank oh, you. Oh, you're very kind. Thank you. Oh, who's that talking? Oh, who's that talking? <laughs> okay, thank you all so okay, much. We'll see you, you again so next Saturday. See you again. Hare Krishna. Hare Krishna. Hare Krishna. Hare Krishna. Hare Krishna. Hare Krishna. Hare Krishna.